Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. That's such a grinder. I mean, he was like telling me before the two minute drive. Yeah, I was just watching two minutes before the game, and I was like, "What? <laughs> That's what you're doing for the game?" But I think that's the beauty in, in him and his style and, and the staff that we have. Is this? There's no stone left unturned. And sometimes, it, you know, this uh, like the kids say TMI, but most of the time, uh, most of the time. The information really helps. We're going to be hearing plenty from Aaron Rodgers this week. He's still playing and for the first time ever hosting an NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field. It's going to be cold. It's going to be snowy. It's going to be awesome. And it's just five days away. Chris Sims, Mike Florio, PFT Live, Peacock, Sirius XM 211, NBCSN, Sky Sports at uh, primetime. They haven't told me any different, so I assume it's still primetime. Hello, London, and the rest of the UK and Ireland and everyone else. Once we mention London, here's what happens. I start getting emails saying, you know, there are other cities in in England than London. I'm aware of that. Hello to all of you. We're happy that all of you are watching, listening, podcast, wherever you are, whenever you are, however you want to listen. We're out there and we're available and we've got plenty of stuff to uh, to get uh, to get to over the course of the next two hours. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I really am. Uh, no complaints. That was a cool little, little uh, you know, shot of Aaron Rodgers there, that conversation, all of that. He was talking about Lafleur, right? I, I missed the very start of it. I couldn't hear it. But yeah, that's that's a psycho offensive coach. I always get a giggle out of those type of things. Just my experience with John Gruden, Josh McDaniels. It's like this never ending. Oh, hey, we've looked at this and, you know, it's the night before the game and I've decided to change this to that and do this. And now because I I looked at this all day Friday and now it's Saturday, it's it's now it's Sunday, the day of the game. And they're still they're still cracking away at things. And uh, I know exactly what it means by TMI. Because you can be over flooded with information from psycho coaches like a Matt LaFleur. So uh, there is a point where you're like, okay, I got it. You don't have to tell me anymore. I know the game plan. We're good. Stop telling me other things that are just going to confuse me at this point. So that's uh, funny to hear him talk about that. But the best offensive coaches never shut it never down. Do. They never turn it off. No. They're always looking for ideas. They will install a new play at a walkthrough in the hotel ballroom the morning of the game, if need be. I mean, right. they That's will it. do whatever needs to be done. And then the game starts, and you come up with stuff potentially that you weren't planning to do at all based upon what looks you're getting. That's what's so fascinating about it. All the time that is spent in preparation for the game, then once you start seeing what they're doing to defend you, it all possibly changes it, it it you sometimes rip up what you would plan to do and go in a different yeah, direction that's right I mean that that I I the, one of the coolest experiences I ever had with that with Josh McDaniels I was playing for the Broncos in 2009 and truly the day of the game we were playing a night game against the Pittsburgh Steelers and Big Ben they ended up winning the football game I was a backup Kyle Orton's a starter but it's the day of the game. So we are going to have a walkthrough in the ballroom the day of the game, right? We're going to do that because, you know, the coaches have nothing to do and they got to feel a little more comfortable with how things are being executed and all that. And Josh comes up with, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, hey, I noticed 
when we got when people get in this formation and motion like this, they check to this coverage every time, and we put in like eight or ten new plays the day of the game. Hadn't practiced them all week. Just we had done it in training camp and things like that, and they were the most successful things we did in that game. We didn't win, like I said, but it just shows you how that mind works, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. Did you cram before like court like the day of, or were you like, no, my preparation's good? No, it never stopped. No, it yeah, never, it right. never stopped. And 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 you had to recognize that. Yeah, it's it's the old Mike Tyson saying: everybody's got a plan until you get hit in the mouth. You 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 get hit in the mouth. You you go into an arena where the other side has a plan that is diametrically di, diametrically opposed to yes. your plan. Diametrically opposed to your plan, and uh, things change. And if you remain tied blindly. To the thing that you spent so much time preparing, that's the recipe for losing. You have to be willing to jump into the water out of the boat if the boat's sinking. And sometimes that boat sinks and there's an opening somewhere else that's created by a strategy that any adversarial setting like that, when you get thrown into the arena, right, there's only so many resources available. Yeah. There's only so much you can do. So if they go in a way you didn't expect, there's an opening somewhere else. That's the great thing about defense. There's 11 guys on the field. They can they can deploy those 11 guys however they want, but if they use them to take away the thing that you would plan to do, there's an opening somewhere else, and the challenge is finding it and exploiting it on the fly. Yeah, you're exactly right. There, there's no doubt. And it's, it's the good ones that are able to adjust and in-game, halftime, do those things that – that helped their football team. Uh, what would you do to like watch film? A few good men, my cousin Vinny. Which one was the choice? Yeah, you know, Matt, to get ready. No, no, it's funny how I know Matt Casey is feeding this to you. <laughs> I have said in the past that to get me in the right mindset to right. properly communicate with a judge and a jury at trial, and to get me properly honed in, I always watched a few good men and my cousin Vinny while I was preparing, and both are amazingly accurate as it relates to the way things happen. Not that. I've ever been involved in anything that happened the way that either of those two movies did, but they are. Uh, they, they, you they didn't wear that same get... suit my cousin Vinny wore, that maroon long oh, suit? Oh, I did. No, I did. Okay. I did. I did. I live in West Virginia. That. I mean, come on. Give me a break. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I, I did not. I did not. Uh, anyway, let, let's get to what you need to know. You let's mentioned Josh McDaniels. We're going to be talking about him later as it relates to the possibility of him becoming the next Eagles coach. And, and one thing I just thought of earlier today, and I think we've talked about this before, but a guy who – was fired by Eagles coach Andy Reid 10 years ago as defensive coordinator by the name of Sean McDermott, is now preparing to face Andy Reid in a conference championship game, which gives it another layer and level of intrigue. Here's Sean McDermott talking about the challenge that he's facing this week as he gets his team ready. Is he going to be facing Patrick Mahomes? Is he going to be facing Chad Henney on Sunday? Here's McDermott on that subject. They're so good with the weapons that they have around around Patrick. Um, Andy does such a good job. They're well coached um, that you know, we've got to prepare for um, the system. We've got to prepare for both quarterbacks, and, and that's why we've got a lot of work to do this week, Adam. It really does have to prepare for both quarterbacks because we're, we're five days out, and we don't know that Patrick Mahomes is going to get the appropriate clearances from an independent neurologist to play on Sunday. We don't know about the toe injury. The the Chiefs are downplaying it, but yeah. look, you, you got you got a cocktail of injuries now that Patrick Mahomes is dealing with as he tries to to get himself in a position where he can play on Sunday. You've got to be ready for Chad Henney and that is going to deplete your preparation. The good news is They've already faced Patrick Mahomes earlier this year. The bad news is it didn't go too well for the Bills. So at least they've got some experience there. But Chad Henney came in and played well in relief of Patrick Mahomes on Sunday. And it gives the Bills uh, a lot to think about and a lot to prepare for, Chris, as they get ready to face the Chiefs and try to get back to the Super Bowl for the first time since 1993. It, it, it definitely does. I, I don't think it's like a huge difference, though, to where you're just sitting here like, whoa, this is two totally different offenses between Mahomes and Henny, right? I don't think the offense is going to drastically change. Yes, it'll become a little bit more conservative and balanced like we saw last year with Matt Moore. You know, really probably look a lot like the way Kansas City played Buffalo earlier this year. Kansas City ran the ball in that game, I think, more than any other game they played this season. 
So they'll have a good feel for what Kansas City does as far as without Mahomes. Now, preparing for Mahomes is a whole different animal. You have to worry about, like, different route combinations that really you don't have to worry about with a lot of quarterbacks or any quarterbacks in football except three or four. They're not going to cause some of those aggressive bombs, people moving all over the place type plays with Chad Henney. They might not call moving the pocket plays nearly as much either. So those are things that, you know, will be different. But I don't think as far as the routes, you know, the schemes, I don't think that's going to change a whole lot, Mike. And and the, the last thing I'll say just is, you know, I, I think the toe thing that you bring up, that I got – in the end, I will be shocked if Patrick Mahomes isn't cleared for a concussion protocol and doesn't play this weekend. Just the total honesty, what we see throughout the year, where it goes, I would be shocked if he got cleared for concussion protocol and playing on Sunday. But I wouldn't be shocked if you told me he woke up yesterday morning and the worst thing on his body was his toe. He wasn't worried about his head. He was sending out witty – tweets and things witty tweets and things like that we heard Andy Reid say he was good but that toe that's another thing and, I, and the fact that they're blowing that off so much to me too I, I don't know it just looks like to me like they're they're kind of playing coy about it like oh he might not be able to move the pocket and do those things without the toe but we'd like you to still prepare for that so the toe's not a problem that's what I thought at least yeah, you know what? I agree with you there. We saw how it was hampering him during the game. And and and, and as I've said, it, maybe the, the only positive from the concussion is it got him off that foot yeah, before right. any further damage was done to it as he tried to exert and just ignore it and just go about his business. And, you know, and anybody who's ever had an injury and tries to fight through it, you're running the risk of greater damage to it. So with the concussion issue, Chris, I asked the league yesterday if historical data is available regarding how much time someone misses when they have a concussion because my clear recollection right. is you used to be shut down for a game if you had a concussion and then that changed and the league told me from 2015 to 2019 there were 29 quarterbacks who were diagnosed with concussions the median time before clearance to return was seven days which puts us right at the the, the period of time that that Patrick Mahomes has until his next game. The question is, will he be able to practice? Will he be able to prepare? Not that he needs to, but there's a reason why you practice. There's a reason why you, you, you go through the process of getting ready for a game. And we may get a Patrick Mahomes who isn't able to practice at all this week, isn't cleared to practice at all this week. It still is a very strange... I keep watching that play over and over again. I know. I was watching it yesterday for any evidence of a violation of the rules, and you could argue that Mac Wilson did lower his helmet to initiate contact, even though that, that foul is haphazardly called by officials because it's so hard to spot it in real time. But the rest of the play was clean. I mean, none of it was dirty. None he was a it. runner and a tackle was made, right? But, but, but the, and, and, and look, if I was Patrick Mahomes' dad, I would disagree. His mother clearly disagrees and wanted Mac Wilson ejected, and I'd want to go fight Mac Wilson and let Mac Wilson kick my ass. If uh, if it it had been my son, but but still, when you make him a runner, when you call a running play on third and one with a guy who's got a bad toe, you're putting him in harm's way. He's potentially going to get hit and he's potentially going to get hurt. I still don't see no. what happened to him to cause a concussion. That's what continues to vex me two days later. I, I'm with you there. I, the, the one thing, just watching film on that game a little yesterday, that kind of came to me is what maybe it was almost the twisting of the neck as he's being brought to the ground, like you know how a boxer can. You know, the chin just gets knocked a little bit and cuts off that blood and oxygen to the brain, and all of a sudden you're, you know, on cloud nine. I did think of that because of the way he was tackled through the neck there, and then as he does hit the ground, his neck really does kind of get rolled up a little bit in a weird, awkward position, but I'm with you. And I certainly, listen, I, I know Mrs. Mahomes, is it, it's her, her baby boy, and I understand that, and gosh, I, I'm glad I didn't have Twitter when I played. It was who knows what my mom might have tweeted, too. But, but it, it, you know, it, it's football. That was nothing. He would have been f bombs. He would have been f bombs. Well, there would have been f bombs. Sure, but the, you know, we're, he wasn't trying to lead <laughs> to the head. That that's where everything now has become like, oh, did his head touch? Did his head touch? Listen, the head is attached to the body. When you even try to hit with the shoulder, there's a good chance the head's gonna touch. It's this big thing on top of the shoulders. It's hard to move it. 
So like we, this, I, I'm, I don't like this conversation about this stuff every now, like every play, like the Sorensen dive in the end zone. Then we're just going to have to let players dive in the end zone. No more tackling at the one-yard line. I don't know, but sorry you got me off on this, no. and I just no, no, don't no, think no, that's no, the no, point listen, with that one. I'll never forget we were in Florida for the league meetings, and they had 10 proposals that year for rule changes. All of a sudden, they show up with a proposal number 11 that was not previously disclosed to the media, that was just distributed, and yeah. it was already voted on and passed, and it is so broad that it is a foul to lower your helmet to initiate contact. I mean, what the hell? That happens all game. Right. That happens all – remember all the consternation in the preseason that year? So the, the rule is still on the books. They expect guys to adhere to it. Sometimes they throw the flag. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they get it wrong. It's a bad rule. It's poorly conceived. It's poorly enforced. But it ain't going anywhere. No, Because no. somebody got convinced in that ballroom at – the hotel in Florida three yeah, years ago, that right. this is something they had to do, regardless of how nonsensical it may have been. But, you know, b back to Mahomes. Yeah. I, I think you may be on to something because Andy Reid said after the game that he had the wind knocked out of him. And as we all know, that doesn't mean you actually have the wind knocked out of your lungs. It means that something's happened on your spinal cord to short circuit right. the, the, the involuntary operation of your lungs and your heart, and everything kind of skips a beat and skips a breath. And you got to recover from that. It may just be, look, I mean, he clearly looked like he had been concussed. Right, right. But you just you just wonder if he'd stayed on the ground a little bit longer. Maybe he would have been able to get up and he would have seemed fine. I don't know. Yeah. None of us knows because he got up quickly. Yeah. But what, what we do know is he'll be checked thoroughly by doctors. There is a truly independent neurologist. It's not like it used to be where if the doctor wants to continue to provide services to the team, the doctor makes sure the players are available to the team. That's why they got independent neurologists involved in this. And, uh, yeah, I'd be surprised, Chris, if he doesn't play on Sunday because we've seen guys come back over and over and over again within right. a week after being concussed. Yeah, right, right. We've seen a lot of it, you know, especially like you said, here in recent history, the last year or two, I just feel like – marquee players that miss multiple games because of concussions or even one game. I mean, I feel like it's been, you know, few and far between. And the ones that have missed those multiple games, it's been, you know, again, I'm never trying to judge anybody's hit or how they got hit in the head, but been a lot more egregious, you know, blows to the head, at least as far as the way it looks on TV and things like that than what we saw there yesterday. So, you know, he doesn't need to practice as long as he can just have a ball and throw the ball around the field a little bit and have feel for that, he'll be able to go through the mental aspects of the game. Him not practicing might be a good thing, just like you just talked about with him getting off his feet with his toe. It might just be good. Okay, let the toe rest for the whole week. He'll be fresh and ready to go on Sunday. But, man, would that be like the most Debbie Downer tease of all time if we're about to get Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes in the AFC championship game and Mahomes couldn't play I mean I I'm I'm dead serious if I wake up Sunday morning and I read on PFT that Mahomes can't play I, I might drop to my knees and cry I'm not even joking like that that'll be just heartbreaking uh so I I really hope that's not the case yeah and and you know what I I what would you I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say it yeah because the league needs him to play. Exactly. Right? Yes, they do. And and <laughs> and the same. I mean, so the pressure that used to apply to the team doctor right. to make the guy available yeah. at some level is there pressure on the independent neurologist now because the the broader NFL structure needs Patrick Mahomes to play. I, I'm just throwing that out there I mean, because unless, the mere, the mere that fact that they have an independent neurologist acknowledges there is a conflict. Right. Team doctor, is there a conflict for the independent neurologist? Right. Is there, a, is there an independent neurologist who's been living under the rock of somewhere and doesn't realize how big this weekend is and who Patrick Mahomes is? I mean, you would have I, that would be hard for me to think that he could like, okay, wait, this is one of the biggest games of this guy's life. It's the championship weekend. I live here in the area. I'm very aware. I'm reading the news and everything else like that. That I mean, that's it's hard to be truly independent there, too. And I also sit there and go, you know, this is where as a grown man and, you know, you're your mid-20s, you're 30 years old, and you might feel good on a Saturday the day before the game. If they told you you couldn't play and you just feel like you're functioning and all that, man, that would be a hard pill to swallow. But that's another conversation. Well, it is another conversation, yeah. and I've had that conversation before because there is, I think, 
you know, how far do you go to protect someone from themselves? Right. At what point is the person sufficiently lucid and capable of making the conscious decision that I will play? I'll sign whatever you want sign me to sign. Waiver. I understand. Right. I understand I'm not completely and totally cleared, but I'm fine. I've got my wits about me. I know what I'm doing. I know the risk I'm taking. That 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 issue comes up from time to time. And it's just weird. The longer we get removed from 2009 when the NFL first had its epiphany about concussions, we've gotten numb to it. We've gotten used to it. And culturally, there have been changes made. But there still is an undeniable quality here where the human being has to make the decision about right. what he wants to do. And, I mean, when he walks out onto the field, when he's perfectly healthy, he's accepting the risk of a serious injury. At what point do you allow the player to assume the risk that if he's not completely 100%, but he's close enough where he can make the decision, when do you let him do it? So far, the NFL has erred on the side of saying, no, we're not going to let you play. So right. we'll see how that plays out. We'll see if it's an issue. Yeah. If it is, it's going to be a hell of a story for the weekend because it's going to be Chad Henney versus Josh Allen, not Patrick Mahomes. And I trust that Josh Allen would win a throwing contest against Chad <laughs> like Henney. Not so. sure who would win the throwing contest between Allen and Mahomes. All right, the NFC game. Um the last time the Packers and the Buccaneers, Bay of Pigs, got together, it was a, a pig-type day for the Packers, up 10 nothing. Then the wheels came off. They lost 38-10. to Here's Packers coach Matt LaFleur on the last time his team saw the Buccaneers. Well, anytime you get beat 38-10, it's hard to say it's not as bad as it looked. Um, you know, they did, they did a good job. you got to give them credit. Uh, they came – they were they were more prepared to play than than we than our group was. So, um, but I think you you always got to take everything you can out of every situation. You're always learning. I think our team has come a long way from that from from that day. But you know, everything's just words at this point. Yeah, look, we saw this weekend what happens when a team gets swept during the regular season. And statistically, it is more difficult for the team that lost the first two to win the third one. But the Buccaneers pulled it off. And that's that's all the proof the Packers need to say that 38 to 10 was an aberration. We start over 0-0. We're at home. It's cold. It's snowy. We have the advantage and we can we can win this game. Right. Even though the Buccaneers won the last one, that one doesn't matter now. So I I I see no relevance at all. From the last game to this game, Chris, none uh, whatsoever. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm with you. I don't think it's, it's too relevant. At least I don't look at it, and I'm, I'm gonna watch back that game from Week Six here after the show at some point. But I don't expect to look at it and go, "Oh man, this is, you know, this is definitive. This is the way these teams are." There's been so much change with both of these football teams. You know, I think that's really the thing worth noting. And then even in that game, 38 to 10. Okay, yeah, great, but. I think, you know, that game was very close to teetering the other way at one point. Yeah, 10 nothing the pick six. Okay, now it's 10-7. He throws another interception that gets a slant route to Devontae Adams in the right that goes through his hands, gets intercepted, gets returned down to the two- or three-yard line. The next drive, he misses, you know, two wide-open throws. One was Mercedes Lewis going down the right seam, I mean, uncovered going to change the momentum of the football game, at least back into Green Bay's favor to get them going. They missed that opportunity, but this is a different Green Bay football team, but it's a different Tampa team too. Both of these teams have found their stride here as of late, and I think that's what's great you know, about this matchup. It's really both teams kind of peaking at the right time, and I don't know who's going to win this football game, but I don't think week six is, yes, a huge factor in this. It's about who's going to execute and play the best and the most physical, and that's the part I look at, Mike, the physicality of this game. I mean, the Bucks pushed around the Saints' D-line. That, that, that does not happen. They wore them down as the game went on. We've asked those questions about the, the Packers all year long. They've kind of answered the bell with that kind of stuff. So I'm really pumped to see that go down on Sunday. When we flip it over to the other side, David Bakhtiari's been gone for the Packers. They seemingly haven't missed a beat. Vita no, Vea right. may be back for the Buccaneers as soon as this weekend. Activated from injured reserve. Nobody thought he was going to play again this year. That beefs up the defense. And how about this stat that Matt Casey d dug up? Aaron Rodgers was blitzed 185 times this year, and he was only sacked on those 185 blitzes four times. 
but three of them happened in the Bucs game. So the blitz was working that day. They got to Aaron Rodgers repeatedly. I don't know what happened. I mean, and again, this just to me, we see rarely, but we've we've witnessed it multiple times over the last two years. The Packers take the show on the road and something goes haywire for right, them. Right. Whether it's the Chargers last year, the 49ers twice last year, the Packers at the Bucks this year. There's just something, and they can never really pinpoint it. I, I, that's not a factor this time. They're not going anywhere. They're at home, and they have fans there. And those fans made a huge difference. I remember earlier this year, the Packers were having a hard time getting it going at home in an empty Lambeau field. They're there now. So the, those factors, staying at home and having fans present and the weather, the, those I'm, I'm starting to talk myself out of thinking the Bucs are going to win the game, frankly. I think maybe the, the Packers – are, are going to be far better equipped to avoid the 38 to 10 outcome than than I think many people realize. I, I would, I mean, I would be shocked if we had that sort of game in either or, way. Or a loss at all, a yeah. loss at all. 38 to 10, 38 to 35, 13 to 10, whatever the final score. I think the Packers are going to be in much better shape to win this game than they were the last time they played. No, I mean the home field advantage, you know, the cold weather, all of that. I mean, that all favors Green Bay, no doubt. I mean, there are a different team, like you said. I think. You know, you talked about the blitz and how he's been sacked five times all year. Three of them were that game. Hey, that's an advantage Green Bay, too. Okay, that's what they did. They did something a little creative on us. We know what to expect from them now. You know, from that aspect altogether, they'll be ready for the Bucks' plan of attack as far as how they're going to play them this time. And I think the biggest thing, too, is the Packers' offensive line is so much better now than it was then. Even in that game, yeah, the blitz got there a few times, but they blitzed a few times just to create one-on-ones, and then guys just got beat on one-on-one pass protection. They're they're more of a force, as we've talked about over the last four or five weeks in the run game. I don't think the Bucks will just be able to play pass defense all game. You know, the first time around, I think they erred on that. This time, you got to be careful. It, it's become Green Bay. Oh, you got extra guys in the box. We don't care. We're still going to run it and get five or six yards. That's what's different about the football game altogether, and that's what I'm excited to see. You know, both offenses, I think, are functioning at a much higher level. I think the Packers' defense is functioning at a much higher level. The Bucks' defense is all over the place. Last week it was awesome. There's other weeks, like the week before in the wildcard game against Washington, where I go, well, damn, they look average. If you can't get to the quarterback, they can't cover anybody. So that's where it's going to be a, a fun one. Whatever switch was flipped, in the second half of the game against the Saints on Sunday. They need to be able to mash that thing. And if they can do that, they'll they'll be fine. That's what's so compelling to me about the Buccaneers. We can talk about Tom Brady and all the weapons, but that defense is going to be the difference one yeah. way or the other, good yeah. or bad, win or lose, it's going to come down to that defense. Offensively, Antonio Brown, as of yesterday, was getting an MRI on his knee, and there's been no update whatsoever, and I don't know what that means. It, does it mean he's fine? Does it mean he's not fine? If he can't play, it's more opportunities for a guy like Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, who had that great third and 11 catch. That, that they, they both, Miller and Johnson, both had key third down catches yeah. on the drive that took the score from 20 to 20 to 23 to 20. Could be more opportunities for them. I think Brown not playing, if he can't play, hurts the Buccaneers less than we, we realize because they do have an incredibly deep, stable of receivers who have now been working with Tom Brady for what will be game number 19. So beyond Evans and Godwin and Gronk, they've got some great receivers available if Antonio Brown can't play. But the fact that we haven't gotten an update from Arian saying yesterday he's getting an MRI, that's just odd. And we'll, we'll see on the injury report tomorrow what it says about Brown's availability. Yeah, it'd be, be interesting to see. But uh, again, I, I don't think it's going to hurt their team tremendously, even if he isn't able to play or not at 100% because of the, what you just said. I mean, guys like Scotty Miller are really special. You know, they have a run game that we saw them be very patient, you know, uh, w with on Sunday night. And we've talked about a lot during the year and towards the end of the year how Antonio Brown's, you know, playtime was cut. And I think that was because the Bucks have gotten into, we like two tight ends and two wide receivers and playing smash mouth football and then keeping one of those tight ends to block on a play action pass so Brady feels comfortable and then we take a shot downfield. That's really what they've become as a football team. And I would expect them to have that similar approach 
uh, on Sunday against Green Bay where we see a lot of two tight end sets, two wide receivers, and then on obvious third down situations, you'll see that third receiver come into the football game. But I think that's who Tampa is right now. I think they showed us that last week. They're going to continue to play through that run uh, and ride that offensive line and then let Brady pick people apart and off a play action pass. I, I think that's the way they want to go. Yeah, I uh, – oh, man. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's it a is, tough one. It's, it's going to be great. Both games are going to be great, and here's hoping that we have Patrick Mahomes for that game because uh, I can't I can't imagine a better package of two games coming out of the season we just witnessed involving yeah. the teams who made it, and uh, it should set the stage for what would be a great Super Bowl. All right, let's take a break. When we return, some updates on the remaining coaching vacancies. The jobs are filling up quickly, but there's still a couple left. Where are they going, and how long will they still be open? We'll discuss that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It was just eight days ago where no one had been hired when we talked about the openings. Actually, the first domino fell Five days ago with Urban Meyer going to the Jaguars. Now four are officially filled. Although I still haven't seen a statement from the Jets on Robert Sala, although he's the guy. We're expecting Dan, Dan Campbell to be the head coach of the Lions. Uh, but there are two vacancies that we continue to monitor, the Eagles and the Texans. And uh, let, let me reiterate my position. If I had options, I would opt to wait until next year because I don't want either of those jobs right now for different reasons, but also similar reasons. I don't think the deck is stacked in your favor well, yeah. in either of those cities. We saw Brian right? Dayball get out of that conversation yesterday. I don't know yes. how seriously he was being considered for either one, but he obviously made the choice. You know, a lot of the times, Mike, as you and I, we've discussed a lot over the years, you only sometimes get one shot at this thing. So you get a, you know, you, you go, go somewhere, and if it's dysfunctional and you realize, whoa, there's a lot of issues here. Do I want to deal with this, get fired two years from now, and then never get a head coaching job opportunity ever again in my life? That's what you have to balance here. And I think Dayball was probably looking at it going, whoa, like you said, there's issues there. I'm in a pretty good spot with a superstar quarterback and an awesome offense, and he's going to play the, the chance of something else better will come about next year. The term dysfunction means deviation from the norms of social behavior in a way regarded as bad. Um, you can fairly say that both organizations right now looking for coaches are dysfunctional. The mere fact that Doug Peterson got fired three years after winning a Super Bowl shows that there was clearly dysfunction. Whether or not the dysfunction lingers, who knows? In Houston, it's it's dysfunction on parade. So Dayball made the right call, reportedly staying put in Buffalo for another year. He'll be on the A-list next year as long as Josh Allen's around. Right? If they had a different quarterback, all of a sudden Dayball wouldn't be a very good coach. When you have Josh Allen, sure. all of a sudden yeah. you're a pretty damn good coach. Well, and it but makes you I feel better about taking these chances, too. You just go, That's well, right. okay, I could take a chance here. I think my guy's going to be towards the top of the football again as quarterback's concerned, and that gives him a little leeway to do that. Your guy, Josh McDaniels, is yeah. being identified as a prime candidate. And, I, and look, I, I'm going to be very leery of top candidate, prime candidate, favorite, whatever, because ESPN told me that Brian Dayball was the favorite 
to get the Chargers job, and he never was. It was always Brandon Staley. It was all I mean, all the boys. The Chargers have become the Chargers. The Chargers are the cone of silence. There's a benefit to being the team nobody cares about, I guess. But 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 it was always Brandon Staley for them. And is it now Josh McDaniels for Philadelphia? Chris, after saying no and no and no and passing on this option and that opportunity and this chance, why in the hell, frankly, all due respect, does he want to go coach the Eagles? Well, well, his story's a little different. And I don't, you know, I think he's probably looking at it going, wait, I don't have Josh Allen with me. I don't know where my offense will go next year. Am I guaranteed that I'm going to be we, – we saw the, the sizzle or the, the talk around Josh McDaniels was far less this year than it's been in the previous three or four years, right, Mike? So I think within that, he's in a different situation than Brian Dayball. And he's a guy that's already had, you know, a head coaching job. And, yes, it was a failure. It didn't work out right. Uh, there was a lot of issues there, and we can discuss that. It wasn't all just Josh McDaniels. But I think he's got to look at it and go – wait, I don't know if I'm going to get another chance. I might have to take this. And honestly, I think like in a lot of ways for Josh McDaniels and the Eagles, I think it would be the perfect fit. Josh is a guy you want to build with and build around. He is, you know, again, I don't say he's a GM, right? But he's got a lot of experience in that. He did do a lot of that stuff in Denver. And I think at the very least, he understands the team building aspect and what to do to where he can conversate with a Howie Roseman and go, listen, we're going to try to build this type of offense and I need these type of players and blah, blah, blah on the defense and go through it that way to where I do think Josh McDaniels is a great fit for this this role right here. I think he's made to kind of rebuild the team and be that way, but you have to be patient and let the New England way kind of filter out and play the long play here where it might take two or three years before he turns the team around. Job number one, Carson Wentz has to be on board with whatever they do. They've empowered him at this point. Seems like it, right? Picking him over Doug Peterson, which at its core, it feels like that's what they did. They want to see the return on their investment. They want to see that last year was an aberration. We've talked about this before. Ben Roethlisberger in his third season was not good. Peyton Manning in his fourth season was not good. It turned around. What did it take in Indianapolis? Jim Mora, the elder, out. Tony Dungy, in. That's what turned Peyton Manning around. So, you know, you're picking the franchise quarterback over the structure that's in place to to use him if that structure, for whatever reason, doesn't believe in him anymore. You find somebody who does. And uh, Josh McDaniels need not even engage in the conversation with the Eagles unless he believes in Carson Wentz. I also heard yesterday, because right. I look, because McDaniels ran the show in Denver. Yeah. Howie Roseman has a major seat at the table in Philly. Right. How do these two right. coexist? My understanding is Roseman is fine with it. It's just a matter of talking the owner, Jeffrey Lurie, into it. And I, there's still this lingering, what the hell happened in Indianapolis that is hovering over Josh McDaniels. And, and I'll say this to Jeffrey Lurie, if you're watching. Good morning, Jeffrey, if you are. Uh, chances. I, I'll bet the under on that one. But anybody out there who's thinking about hiring Josh McDaniels, I'll just tell you to do this. Because you, you surely have the resources. You've got the time. You've got the expertise at your disposal find your way all the way to the bottom of the rabbit hole on what happened in Indianapolis and, and then, and then decide what you want to do with Josh McDaniels. Isn't that fair? Isn't that fair? No, it's fair. It's not an easy story. I don't want to get into the story. I know bits and pieces of it. Um, but, but you know, if you're, if you're a billionaire who's thinking about hiring the guy, you, you, you should be able to get to the bottom of it. it. It shouldn't be that difficult. And, uh, and then you can make your decision on whether or not he's somebody you want to do business with, period. Well, yeah, I, listen, the, the Colts thing, it's not a good look for Josh, certainly. We know that. Yeah, we, we've scrutinized it. Everybody has. Uh, again, I don't think this is a thing where Josh McDaniels was intending to screw over the Colts or went into it thinking he was going to do that. I think that in the long play, just to, from what I know and to sum it up, I think it's a guy that has a love affair for the New England Patriots and thought maybe he could be the next guy after Bill Belichick. And also with that, has a big family and maybe wasn't quite sure if he wanted to make that move and do that type of thing. And I think Bill probably sold him on opening the vault and going, hey, I'm going to really let you be my right-hand man and doing those type of things. And that's where I think it kind of went wrong there, but it's certainly not a good look for him, and it hasn't helped his cause. That's for sure. Uh, But 
But I do think this could be a good opportunity. And, and yes, you know, that point you bring with Howie Roseman is, is a big one. Can they, can they coexist? Can they build something together and be on the same page? Every time I hear the reference to Bill opening the vault when McDaniels returned after spurning the Colts, right. I remember that there was a Sports Illustrated article before he got hired by the Broncos saying the same damn thing. So I don't know how much of it. The vault never uh, the gets vault, open the with the these vault, guys. Right, right. The, never. Bill, Bill's never open in the vault. Uh, maybe not even for his sons, frankly. But uh, I, I think that that things have changed in New England. And there, you know, people thought, well, he, well, he's clearly the successor to Bill Belichick when he stayed three years ago. Well, Bill Belichick's showing no indication he's going to walk away anytime soon. And 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 I think, you know, that 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 notion that Bill Belichick gets to coach the Patriots into his eighties, if he wants to that. And I don't know what the over under is on when the fans turn, but three, four years, I think three and a half years of not getting to the playoffs and just kind of being blah. That's, you know, they're going to have sure. to find an answer at quarterback or, uh, or, or I don't care how many Super Bowls you've won the fans are going to demand something better if you can't go out there and find somebody who's going to perform better at the quarterback position. And and the challenge would be exacerbated for the Patriots if they'd lose Josh McDaniels to the Eagles if he ends up getting the job. The Texans got permission yesterday to interview Eric Bieniemy, the league, which never changes rules, which is like very resistant to any type of change. They've been changing rules left and right this year. They and have. they changed the rule that said to the Texans, hey, you didn't interview the guy during the bye week. You can't talk to him until after the Chiefs season ends. The league agreed to let it happen. The Chiefs agreed to let it happen. They interviewed Eric Bieniemy and others yesterday. Matt Eberflus, who initially declined, the Colts defensive coordinator, sat for the interview. Um, Leslie Frazier, the Bills defensive coordinator as well. So, the Texans are are commencing a more earnest and thorough search now that they have a GM. I thought it was stupid to interview coaches before you hire your yeah, GM. Right. And uh, and now you've got your GM and now and now they can see what they want to do. If I'm Eric Bieniemy though, I'm very leery. If I'm any of these guys, I'm leery because I want to know what Deshaun Watson thinks, what he wants, and before I would ever accept that job, I want two hours. With Deshaun, up to two hours with Deshaun Watson. I don't need that. I know that I need two. Maybe I only need five minutes. But I want to know that this guy's on board with me before I get on board with the Texans. Well, I mean, at least Eric Bieniemy knows to a degree. He at least knows that, like, hey, Deshaun Watson's my, you know, a fan of mine. Uh, but you know, again, this this whole situation is so weird. Uh, the fact that it's you know that they're asking Eric Bieniemy at this point finally, I don't know. Could could an Eric Bieniemy hire? be one that puts the toothpaste back in the tube with the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson? Maybe. I don't know. The, the way I feel right now and the rumors you hear around the NFL and everything like that, I just feel like, I mean, that might be the only thing that saves Deshaun Watson with the, with the Houston Texans. I feel like it's, he's out of there unless it's just, maybe they blow him away here with something as far as the coaching hire. I just don't, it doesn't seem like it's heading in the right direction. From everything we know, we've heard so far, you know, you and I know people through the back channels and we've we've talked about it a little bit. Uh, so this is this is a very weird situation. And I think the whole situation around Eric Bieniemy is weird, too. The fact that he's been this good, this successful. Yeah, he's a raw interview because he's a head coach. He's a real football coach. And, it, you know, he's not, you know, what do I want to say? Persuading or, you know, using any of these owners to, to, to win them over in these interviews. I think that's a, a curious conversation too. We talked about it last week. Bruce Arians wasn't a good interview. Mike Zimmer wasn't a good interview. Those guys don't they're go. Too, they're too in your face. They're too like, I mean, th they tell you the truth. And then, and then some of these owners want it. their butts kissed. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, the, I, I wouldn't say some, I would say most, if yeah. not all. And it's not that they want it, that they're used to that. That's the bubble you live in. That's part of the billionaire privilege. You're surrounded by sycophants. That's what makes that scene from when George Costanza gets hired by the Yankees so damn compelling because he tells off George Steinbrenner. Nobody tells off George Steinbrenner. <laughs> Nobody tells off Jeffrey Lurie. Seriously. Nobody tells off Cal McNair. They, they figure out how to properly keep their lips affixed to their rear ends. That's how you remain employed. So when somebody comes in and starts telling you why your team sucks and why you're not doing a good job of running your team – 
Well, you're off the list, buddy, because you're not speaking the language. And the language is, oh, hello, sir. How are you today? Is there anything I can get you today? Boy, your suit looks great today. Oh, wow. You know, oh, your hair is impeccable. I mean, and it's not quite that fawning, but that's kind of the reality. That's kind of how it goes. That's kind of what's so compelling about the National Football League to me. All these teams owned by essentially monarchies who, who know nothing at their core, for the most part, about yeah, football. It's, right. and, and then they have to make football decisions. But as to be enemy in the Texans, my hesitation if I'm the enemy is I want to know that me taking the job fixes it with Definitely. Watson. I don't want to find out that Watson's going to look at this and say, nah, they had their chance, and this is just an effort to try to placate me. Nothing has really changed. They've just, they've just added another person to the mix to kind of cover up the fact that they really don't care about me. They don't care about making it any better. This is just a way to try to keep me from asking for a trade. It's too little, it's too late. If I'm the enemy, I want to know oh. whether or not that's his reaction before I take the you, job. You, I, I think you have to know at this point, almost. You have to. The, the, the league... The league has been set on fire by this Deshaun Watson conversation. Uh, That's just what I know. I think there's a lot of teams doing homework right now going, what do we have to trade to get Deshaun Watson? Any team that's got a quarterback question, they're thinking about it right now. There's too many of them out there. I know that. I've heard from other people who know this is a huge story and everybody's keeping their eye on it right now. This is this is going to be something to watch. And yeah, I, I wonder if Biennemi can salvage the situation or not, or Deshaun's done with it. But um, we don't get in this situation too often with a big time superstar quarterback like this. Somebody asked me yesterday who's interested in Deshaun Watson. I said, I think it would be easier to pull out the who's 32 not. teams and, right. and scratch off the ones who shouldn't be. Exactly. Because that, that's, that's an easier conversation. That's right. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the next move the Texans make will go a long way, possibly. Maybe it's too late, but he's yet to say the magic words, trade me, because he knows once he does, he can't go back. So there's still – a shred, but they're going to have to do a lot, I think, at this point to convince him. Now, that, as you said, is an issue that's taken the league by storm and everyone's talking about it. There's another issue out there that isn't getting discussed like it should. We just assumed it would improve this year. Rod Graves, who is the executive director of the Fritz Pollard Alliance, issued a statement overnight regarding the fact that the five coaches hired so far, there isn't a single black coach who's been employed. And here's the quote. The key quote from the statement that was issued by Rod Graves, the disparity in opportunities is mind-boggling. It's unfortunate that the performances of coordinators like Eric Bieniemy, Todd Bowles, Byron Leftwich, Leslie Frazier, and Joe Woods may not meet what appears as ever-evolving standards for becoming a blackhead coach in the NFL. The prospect for second chances is proving to be even more elusive. The same applies to executives like Jerry Reese, Rick Smith, Reggie McKenzie, and others, all capable of providing the vision, leadership, and expertise to lead a championship effort. So, um, you know, uh, they, 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 they keep trying. The league, and the league office is trying. I know they are. They're trying. I know. But, but you've got not 32 monarchies running the NFL teams, but close to it. You can't tell them what to do. You can't force them what to do. And it's the threat of litigation that caused the Rooney Rule to be adopted a generation ago. And it may be the reality of litigation that ultimately gets one of these owners to realize, holy crap, we do have to do a better job here. It isn't my way or the highway. I don't get to say and do whatever I want. There are laws out there that require me to afford equal employment opportunity. And the numbers, regardless of any testimony that would come out, right, any secret Donald Sterling tape like that, you're not going to have that. What you're going to have is numbers, and the numbers aren't good for the NFL right now. They weren't good in 2002, Chris, and they're not good now. No, they're not good. You know, and I, I'm, I mean, I, I believe you. I know the NFL. They want change here. They're trying to do their best to force the issue here as well. It's not going to happen overnight. It is unfair. It's screwed over. It's the NFL is deep-rooted in its whiteness, sorry for lack of a better way to say it, but this is a family sport with coaching staffs that are three and four generations in to like my dad coached and my grandfather coached, and that's why I'm here coaching in the NFL, and it's hard to get out of that cycle there. That's the biggest problem. So there's familiarity between a lot of these people in the NFL. Ooh, I know that guy. I've known him since he was little. I'm going to hire him. 
And that is the issue more than anything, let alone like we've talked about before, Mike. It's hard to get in the building unless you know somebody as is. And that's an issue, too. And you have to have some money in the bank saved up because you're going to make no money once you get started in the league. That's the key. It's nepotism, which runs rampant among coaching circles in the NFL. So if you have white coaches, you're going to have white children taking the jobs at the lower levels. Who you know, who who you move in the same circles with, that's part of it. And like you said, those entry-level jobs, you better have somebody else who is financing your lifestyle, paying your rent, buying your food. Because you aren't going to make jack squat. Nothing. Why? I, I don't understand. I understand it's below this kind minimum of weird wage. Proving ground. It shows how much you love football if you allow yourself to work for free. Why can't the entry level jobs provide a living wage so anyone can take them, not just the people who otherwise have money? It's offensive when you think about it that way. It, it is. It's, that's the biggest problem to me, being involved in it as a player, seeing it a little bit in the front office there with the New England Patriots and all that. It is. That's where it's really got to change is that aspect. It's deep-rooted into the league, and it's going to be hard to, to get it rooted out. I know how to get more money for entry-level employees at the NFL. Put the Bills Mafia on the case because when you get them Man. properly motivated, they can do anything. We're going to talk about their latest project when PFT Live continues right after this. We've seen it before with Andy Dalton. We've seen it with Josh Allen. And now we see it with Lamar Jackson, Bill's Mafia, showing appreciation to Jackson, who suffered a concussion on Saturday night in the division round game in Buffalo, flooding his charity with over $360,000. Incredible, incredible stuff. And uh, it's and it all happens. It just kind of happens. Like, I don't know how the fuse gets lit. We, we can see it in hindsight, but it just kind of happens. It takes fire and, and good on the Bills Mafia to just kind of spontaneously take care of not just their own and not just people who help their own like Andy Dalton, but just to show respect to Lamar Jackson. I think it's great. And I bet if they win this weekend, they'll do something similar to Patrick Mahomes or someone from the Chiefs. If there's like, it just, it's hard to, you want to root for Buffalo because they're fans, the karma, everything they've had to go through. I mean, it's amazing. Really class act right there. Another hour, PFT Live, still to come. We'll be right back. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.